This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So, of course, we're going to talk about tshuva. But before I get to before I get to tshuva, I'd like to talk a little bit for two minutes about this week's pasha. So, this week's pasha is pasha's kisavo. The pasha talks about when you come to Eretz Yisrael, a lot of girls flying out this week going to Eretz Yisrael for seminary. Right? This week's Pasha, when you will come to the land, Eretz Yisrael. The land that Hashem, your God, gave to you. And, you wish to be Then the next Pasuk says the following. You will take from the first of all the fruits. That will, you will bring from your land, again. That Hashem, your God, gave to you. You already said that in the first passage. You said, Now you're saying again, You should put it into a basket. Okay. Next passage. You'll come to the Kayin, that's in those days. And you'll say to him, I came to the land. Guess what? The land that Hashem what our fathers to give to us. Very repetitive that the Pasuk keeps telling us, right, that we're going to Eretz Yisrael, the land that the Kosh Baruch Hu gave to us. So I'd like to tell you a story. I was really going to say it last night by the boys Chavura, but I didn't. So you're the first one to hear it. So you know that um, I spoke Tisha B'Av, and I spoke about the situation in the mountains. The whole situation, there was a pool hall, Went to this pool hall, girls, boys, and there was bowling alleys and all kinds of stories. And everybody said, you can't, you can't, you know, don't even bother, you can't change these things. For Hashem, I, I was going to bring a big picture, I'm going, to sh- I'm going to bring it next week in Mitzvah Hashem. But I would just like to tell you a story. So we're on the third week in the mountains. So uh, there was this pool hall in Monticello. I'm not going to give the name of the pool hall. It's not important the name of the pool hall. But there's a pool hall in Monticello on the main street of Monticello. And there were 250 boys and girls that were hanging out in this pool hall. And in the back of the pool hall, there was a dance club. It was terrible. It was like Sedan. A terrible, terrible place. No more from Znutz. A place of Znutz. A place of drinking. A place of drugs. Terrible, terrible situation. I spoke about it on, on, on Tisha So we went to Rabbi David Feinstein. What are we going to do about this? 250 kids, Jewish kinderloch, that are acting in such a way in public. And we came up with a plan. What was the plan? The plan was that we should go, a bunch of balabatim, a bunch of men and a bunch of women, married couples, and we should go down to the pool hall, and we should talk to the kids, and we should make them uncomfortable. By being there, a bunch of married people, they know, oh, I knew you, you know my uncle, you know my aunt, oh, I better get out of here. So Rabbi David felt that if we come, and we're a bunch of couples, and we mean it sincerely, a lot of the people, the kids who are doing the bad things, you can't stop them. But all the kids that were getting out of their cars, party, let's check it out, he called them the tourists, you know, young 14, 15, 16 year old kids, that they would see us, and they would say, oh, he knows my mother. I'm not getting out of the car. And, and that's my aunt, the cousin. Ah. So we figured that that would be, that, that would be a, a, a way to stop them. Not by criticizing them. Not by giving them a hard time. But by being there and showing them that we care. So, fine. So I went to Rabbi Feinstein. He's the girl at door in, in, in America. And I, I have to tell you the whole story so you understand the whole story. So, so in, in, in his yeshiva, it's very through Shalayim on the east side. So in the old yeshiva world... Because they were learning all the time, so their mincha was called a short shman esrei. What does that mean? Normally, when we daven shman esrei with a minion, so everyone davens quietly. Then the chazan davens and he repeats the whole shman esrei. It takes time. In the old days in yeshiva, because they were learning all the time, so they had what's called a short shman esrei, which meant that the chazan would start before you would daven your own private shman esrei. The chazan would start, go to kedusha. You'd say kedusha. And then he would fit, he would go into quiet, and then everybody would go quiet, so they wouldn't repeat the whole shmanasra. So it's uh, five minutes shorter, whatever it was. It's, it's called a short shmanasra. I personally don't daven that shmanasra because uh, there's eighteen, sixteen, whatever all mains that you miss because the chazan doesn't do chazaras hashats. So the week before, I was where I double finds the week before this, and uh, you go to him, when you want to speak to him, you go right, you go before Mincha. So he gave us an appointment at 12.30. Mincha's at 1.30. So when he came to Mincha, I walked out. I, 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 had, I spoke to him and I left, because I don't dive in short monastery. I figured out. Now my father told me a long time ago, when I was younger, that you never walk away from a minion. If it's a short monastery, if it's a little earlier than Shkia, 
Never walk away from me. If you're in a minion, if you're there, don't walk out. Even if you have a plan to go to another minion, because in the end you're going to have a problem. The week before, I walked out. I'm not diving to the short minion. To make a long story short, I got caught in this, got caught in that, court, got caught in traffic. Ended up davening Mincha that day, like 25 minutes after the sun went down, in Satmar on the way up to the mountains. In my row, it was, it was, I got totally messed up. And I realized that short Shmona Esrei, if it's good enough for a Velvet Feinstein, you know, who do you think you are? You know, I need a long Shmona Esrei, you know? So I, so that week, six weeks ago, I decided, after speaking to a Velvet Feinstein, we made up this plan, I'm not leaving, I'm going to down Mincha. So I down Mincha with David, with the Minion and Shiva, we finished the Minion, and not like him, he came running over to me right after Elena, and he said, I would like to speak to you in my room. And I said, okay, I was there with other guys. I said, can they come also? He said, no, just you. I just want to speak to you. But I want you to meet somebody. So, he takes me into his room. And the, the head coordinator of the, of the east side, Hatzalah, is Damans in that minion also. And Rabbi Dabafine said, I want you to meet him. Rabbi Wallerstein, listen. I like your plan that you're going to go much of to this pool hall. All the boys and girls are. And you're going to bring people, but... You're going to rent out, I rented out the bowling alley that night. You're going, how are the girls going to get, let's say you get to the pool and there's girls and boys, and you want to tell the girls that there's a place to go for just girls, how are they going to get from Monticello to Kayamisha? So we have to have transportation. So I said, yeah, don't worry, my friends, I'll have them go out with their wives, and we'll be available, any girl that says, okay, I want to get out of here, I want to go to the bowling alley, we'll give her a ride. I said, I'm not so comfortable with that. Because you don't know who's going to come, where they're going to come from. Maybe the girl's going to say something happened in the car. Maybe, the, you know, we, we don't want any trouble. So I, this is what I want. I want Hatsala to do all the transportation. Here's the guy on the east side. He's the coordinator. Every You, you, you have a meeting with Hatsala of the mountains. And if we're going to move from the pool hall, people to the bowling alley, or from Walmart, people to the bowling alley, wherever you're going to move girls in the mountains to bring them to your bowling alley, should be done by a Hatsala member with his wife. Because they have to answer to the head guy, not so long. So it's an organized transportation system. Okay, but that fine. He's a girl I dog. If that's what you want, fine. So we had a meeting Friday before that, that Shabbos. And we had a meeting with all the Hatzala guys. And we said, we don't want you guys to do Kirov. You know, they're like, I don't know how to do Kirov. I'm a Hatzala guy. You know, I'm like, you know, you know how to bring a person back to life when he's dying. You should, you know, it's not so hard to do Kirov. Because you don't have to be a professional. It's a very big misnomer. What you need to do is put your hand on, well, not the girls, but on the guys, put your hand on one of the guy's shoulders and say, you know, how are you? What's doing? I care about you. There's no such thing as a professional. But, you know, the world is very scared of Kirov. Because, like, what am I going to say? I don't know what to say. You don't need to say nothing. You have to show that you care. Okay. Anyway, they were very uncomfortable. They said, don't say nothing. Just, you need a ride. That's it. And give them a ride. Fine. That much is Shabbos. We come to the pool hall, total of eight couples. That's all that came out. Total of eight couples. Everybody was very uncomfortable. I don't agree with this. This is not the way to do it. Everybody had opinions. The whole mountains, everybody had opinions. This is not the way to do it. There's got to be other ways. Let's have a meeting. Let's have a discussion. It doesn't work that way. Pinchas ben Aaron he got up, he took a sword, he took a... Uh, he did what he had to do and Hashem said Shalom. by the time you finish discussing what you have to do the night's over right it doesn't work that way so I got eight couples to go with me one of my friends myself whatever so we went and we come to this pool and the place is a party total party now in the back of the pool there's a club and all the kids are in the club and they're dancing and you can hear what's going on over there so me and a couple of guys we said we'd like to go into the club we want to go into the club. We want to see what's going on. There's a couple of boys that I know that are there. A couple of girls. We're going to make them uncomfortable. I'm going to walk into a club. You're going to see Rabbi Wallerstein. You're going to get very uncomfortable. And that's what I was going to do. I want to make them uncomfortable. Okay, we come to the door. The guy says, no. You can't go into the club. You're too old. <laughs> All right. No problem. But that's not what the problem was, of course. Anyway, to make a long story short, finally he says to me, he says, you really think the stuff going on back there, you, you could go into the back. You, Rabbi, you can go into the back, look around and leave right away. Okay? All of a sudden a guy comes running out, no, nobody comes into the back. Now we want you, Rabbi, we want you all out of here. I said, what do you mean? I, mean, I was in the pool hall. I was like, 
I'll shoot pool. What do you mean? What? No, we don't care what you want to do. We don't care. We don't want your money. We don't want you here. And they start pushing us out, physically pushing us out. Then it starts getting a little. Now all the guys are like, you know, I'm waiting to see. And the guy had three or four Mexican bouncers in this hall, and he tells the Mexican bouncers, throw all these around my hat. So the Mexican bouncer goes, one of my friends is a big guy. He's been in more than one fight in his life. And he's ready to go at it. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not what Rev. David Feinstein wants. We have kids here, Jewish kids. We don't want to make a chalashan. This is not what we want. Pretty much, the bouncers, the Mexican bouncers, took me, this guy Shlemy Gross, another guy, Richie Berry, and physically threw us out of the pool hall and physically threw us down the steps. Fine, it's no problem. Hashem, you go down the steps. You have to go down the steps. <laughs> so there I am at the bottom of the steps, screaming at the top of my lungs at all the guys. I said, you see how you've fallen? They just took three Rebbies, physically Mexicans. You watch Mexicans take three Jewish Rebbies and throw them down the steps and not one of you said a word. So I was beyond myself. I was screaming at them. I'm like, forget about everything else. Look, not one of you stood up for me. Fine. Now the owner of the club looks down at us at the bottom of the steps and he says rabbis you're not going to win this I own Monticello that's what he tells us I own Monticello there was a cop standing there a Monticello cop and he's giving us a hard time get out of here you don't belong here I'm like you just throw a guy physically throw me down steps and you're telling me I have to get out of here and I saw right there and there this guy owns Monticello he, own, he owns the police so I realized this guy owns Monticello and he's like you don't know who you're starting up with I own Monticello <laughs> and I said to myself we'll see okay so that was it they threw us out and the whole the whole mountains all the kids are talking the rabbis get beat up you know some kids were happy some kids were sad whatever it was because we did the worst thing we ruined their fun okay Listen carefully. That, that's what I'm answering the question on Pasha's Kisova. So, the following week, we had a meeting. And at this meeting, we saw that this guy owns Monticello. He owned a lot of the people that were that we met with. We saw, I'm not saying Lashonara. I'm not saying. I'm not saying what he is. And we met and we realized this guy has townhouses in Monticello he's a very powerful man and what he said was the truth we did our investigating we're there eight weeks this man lives up there and he controls Monticello he owns buildings and cars and he knows everybody he's connected to everybody he is really a very powerful man what can you do? fine okay anyway we went to him nicely he said listen we don't want to. We don't want this. You know, this is this was ugly. What happened with the shop? This was ugly. Let's let us rent the pool hall. We, we don't want to take the fun away from the kids. We just don't like the boy and girl thing. Let's. We'll rent the pool hall for boys. We'll rent the bowling alley for girls. The girls can go to the bowling alley, have a good time. The boys can go to the pool hall and have a good time. And he agreed for a large amount of money. He's going to rent us Saturday night. We have the pool. Hall. How many kids showed up at the pool hall? 20. <laughs> How many girls showed up at the bowling alley? 15. Because they weren't interested in bowling and shooting pool. They were interested in doing Averis. So what were we offering them? We weren't offering them Averis. So nobody showed up. So the following week I got smart. And I hired Yossi Piamenta. And I said, Yossi Piamenta is going to be playing live with his band in the pool hall for guys. This place is going to be packed. Free. That's what you meant to free. Pools free with pizza free. Shooting pool. Everything free. We pay for everything. We pay for everything. Yossi Piamenta comes with his band. How many guys show up? 20. <laughs> 20. Piamenta free. Right? Unwired. Playing. Nobody shows up. So that night, that's um, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So that Monte Shabbos, I was there in the pool hall. This <clears throat> Ion Monticello guy, who's now my friend because we're paying him big money to rent, um, says to me, you know, you're wrong, Rabbi. You see, you're wrong. 
boys and girls need each other. And you're trying to stop something here that you can't stop. You see, you brought Pimenta, who we happen to have known very well. He says, it doesn't work. So you know what I'm going to do for the boys and the girls? Even though you rent Saturday night, Wednesday night, I'm going to make a party, free beer, free admission to my club, free everything. I'm going to bring in food from all over the place. It's going to be the biggest party these boys and girls ever had. Now, I'm renting Matzah Shabbos. He's doing it Wednesday night. What am I going to do? I said, you don't understand what you're doing. You're going to sit in Gehenna forever. You're, you're being Mahdi Klayeshwar. No, you guys are wrong. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. Boys and girls, natural, you can't stop it. Am I going to have a party Wednesday night? Okay. Good. Fine. All of a sudden, comes Tuesday, that Tuesday, and he told me this much of Shabbos. Pool hall's closed. Big sign on it. Closed by the fire department. Closed. Signs all over. Closed. Taped closed. I have pictures. I, I wanted to bring them tonight. I didn't blow them up yet. So I'm going to mention them. I'll bring it to you next week. Closed. Violation. 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 For sale. For sale. For sale. For sale. Finished. Closed down. Done. We didn't do it. We, we rented it from Hatzah Shabbos. For the boys. We, we didn't close down this place. Okay. So, we didn't know what happened. None of us knew what happened. Listen carefully. None of us knew what happened. This Friday, this Friday, now, one of the guys that's very involved is, is someone in my bungalow colony who's very involved in the mountains getting votes for the sheriff and for the people. So he's very connected. He was in Israel. He came back. He gets a phone call from the mayor, the manager of Monticello. The manager of Monticello, he's the man on top, above, the sh- above everybody. And he called this guy and he says, um, you know, I've been trying to reach you for the last week. Uh, I heard you're in Israel. You know we closed down the pool hall. So my friend says, but we didn't ask you to close down the pool hall. We rented the pool hall. We don't need you to close down the pool hall. He goes, no, it has nothing to do with you. He says, the fire department came in on Monday to check for violations, whatever it was. And they went into the basement. Listen carefully, girls. And they went into the basement of this pool club. And they found in the basement that the guy who owns the pool had antique cars in the basement. And he was repainting them and fixing collision shop, like a collision shop. He was repainting and fixing these antique cars. And he had in the basement enough paint and solvent and torches and gas to fix the cars that if there would have been one spark, one cigarette butt thrown into that basement, that building would have blown up like like a time bomb. Said so you would have had two hundred dead Jewish children. This is what he tells my friend. He says, There's nothing to do with you and he ends off and he says, You should know something. He's not Jewish. So you should know something. That your God watches out for your children. That pool hall was on top of a bomb. On top of a bomb. So we went, eight couples, thinking that we're saving these kids from Averis. Meanwhile, chas v'shalom, a tragedy. Nobody would have walked out of their life. There's nothing to talk about. It was a fire trap. It's a building made out of wood. In the basement was enough solvent to blow up half a Monticello. And then he said, and I want you to know, you can tell the rabbis that were at the meeting, that of every group that we've ever met, we have never met a group that cares about their children as much as you Jews. This is what this non-Jew said. Kiddush Hashem. With all the people saying, yes, no, you should, you shouldn't. Meanwhile, if anyone would have known what was going on in that basement, and that chas v'shalom, there's no sprinklers, no fire uh, things, they got, they got, what's it called, the penalties for that also. There would have been no, there was no egress to get out of the building. It would have been a great tragedy. So this Matzah Shabbos, Rabbi Wallstein got into his car. Baruch Hashem, we rented this Matzah Shabbos for the, for the girls. We rented Kaimisha, and we rented uh, for the boys. We rented a different bowling alley, Liberty, Liberty Lanes. And Baruch Hashem, we were full the last two Shabbos, and, and in both of them. 
Thank you. Thanks, Tavivit. She never hasn't slept on a Monday Shabbos the whole summer. She's been up till six o'clock every morning watching the sunrise. And sunrise is five around five forty-four. It's very interesting. Anyway, listen carefully. So at two thirty, between driving from Kaimisha the girls this weekend and going to the boys in Liberty, I decided to go visit the pool hall. It's two thirty at night around the time that we got thrown down the steps. And I drive up my car to the pool hall. There's not a person there, of course not, it's closed. Not a car, not a girl, not a boy, no music, it's dead. And I get out of the car, and I walk to the steps, the step that he threw me down, and I stand on the steps. And I'm telling you exactly what I did. I looked up to Shemayim, and I said, Hashem, you are Monticello. You better believe it. You own Monticello. Nobody else owns Monticello. So, this week's Pasha. When you come into Eretz Yisrael, says Hashem, be Kurim. You're going to build houses. You're going to have trees. And you're going to have plants. And you're going to have fruits. I own Eretz Yisrael. I own this world. Nobody else owns this world. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Unbelievable. And I thought to myself, listen carefully. I'm a little crazy, you know that. Don't all agree, but a little bit out of the box. So there I am, 2.30 at night by myself, screaming at the sky, you own Monticello. Never the guy drove by, he said, can I help you? You lost. So you uh, Wallace still drinking in the club over there, you know, screaming at Shemayim, you own Monticello. Who, where, what, right? I got into my car and I had a thought. And I said, what's up with that mincha? Rav David Feinstein, that he called me into the room, and not Salah. I'm throwing something out here, which is just a thought. But this is a thought that came to me at 2.30 on a Matzah Shabbos. And I said to myself, I know what happens here. Terrible Averis, the first three weeks that were going on in this place. Terrible Averis. They wrote Xavier in Shemaim. They wrote Xavier, Shem wrote Xavier. Chas v'shalom. Some kid's going to throw a cigarette butt into that basement, and it's going to blow to sky high. I'm doing all these Averis. Hatzala, right? All of Hatzala, the mountains, 200 kids never burnt. Hatzala, Chasrashom, is going to be all over the place. So in Shemayim, they wrote that Hatzala is going to have to come on a Monday Shabbos. Everyone out of bed to this terrible tragedy. But Hashem has Rachamim on his children. So Hashem says, but I'm going to give them a chance. Either Hatzala is going to come because children, Chasrashom, got killed and got burnt, or Hatzal is going to come on their own, voluntarily, to take my kids out of here, that they shouldn't do any more Averis. It's up to Klai Israel how Hatzal is going to, going to leave this pool hall. Either we're taking kids to a bowling alley, or Chas taking kids to a hospital. And David Feinstein, this is my thought, said Rabbi Wallstein, only Hatzal, nobody else picks up those kids. Only Hatzalah. Because Hatzalah was written in the Xerah that they're going to have to go to that pool hall. Make sure they're the ones who go to the pool hall and take these kids out of there. It's my thought. Nobody said it to me. I don't have Ruach HaKodesh. But at 2.30 at night, on a month of Shabbos, standing by yourself, in Monticello, you get all these different thoughts. That's what came to my mind. What does that have to do with this week's Pasha? When you come to the land, whether it's Monticello or Brooklyn, New York, the Liberty, or Florida, wherever you are, you should know that I need Hashem it ain't no guy. He don't own Monticello. You can own all the politicians. You can own the police. You don't own anything. We're a bunch of wormwood. We're nothing. We're bus of a dumb. Because Baruch Hu owns the world. And that's how Pashat Kisavo begins. Okay. Now that I got that off my chest. <laughs> we can talk about Chuba. Chuba. Okay. First of all, I want to correct. There's a girl here who's as big a Tamachachov than myself. She came over to me last week and she said that she learned in seminary that even though there was never a Ben Sayro Myra, but there was an Ishi Yafat Tayar. Last week I said that since there was no Ben Sayro Myra, so there must have not been an Ishi Yafat Tayar because if there was an Ishi Yafat Tayar, there was a Ben Sayro Myra. She said, I think I learned that Avshalom's mother, who married Dovan Amelech, was the Ishi Yafat Tayar. And that's why Avshalom 
He wasn't a Ben Sarimar, but he was very close to Ben Sarimar. So I promised her I would, I would research that this week, and she's 100% correct. And not only that, but the Gemara says that there were a bunch of, like Avshalom, they had very long hair tied in ponytails, and all those guys who had these ponytails that were tied in long hair, they were all children of women that were Ishi Yifastayar. So my comment of last week, that there was no such thing as Ishi Yifastayar, because there was no Ben Sarimar, was incorrect. And I stand corrected, and I thank her for coming over to me after this year. Okay. So, now, let's talk about tshuva. So before we talk about tshuva, I'd like to talk about um, the first Avera. We can see what tshuva is all about. And when she gave Adam to eat, when she gave Adam to eat from the tree and he ate, so it says, their eyes opened up, they realized they were naked, and they dressed themselves in the leaf of a fig tree, and they made clothing. They heard Hashem's voice going in the garden, right? They got dressed, they, made, they didn't want to be there. Now what did Hashem say to them? Hashem said to man, that's actually to both of them, he said to him, Ayaka, where are you? Now, why didn't Hashem say, what did you do? Why did he say Ayaka? Because Boku should have said, what did you do? You ate from the Eitzadas? You didn't have Eira? What's this question? Where are you? Hashem knew where he was. Right? Hashem is here, Hashem is everywhere. We sing that when we're little kids. Hashem knows what you're thinking. He surely knows where you are. So when you learn this in the Chumash, Hashem says to Adam, after he eats in the Eitz Adas, Ayaka, where are you? You know where I am. What's the question? What's the question, Ayaka? It's a very, very important answer, everybody. We were, the perfection of the human being was twice. The creation of Adam, and when we got the Torah, we said, Nasev and Nishma. When we said, Nasev and Nishma, we became that we couldn't die anymore. We were back to the beginning, like Adam, perfection. Nasev, we will do Vinishma, we will listen, brought us back to perfection, and we were back like Adam when he was created. What happened after? We did the Ego, and then we got back to Satan, and we got back everything, we got back death, and we came back. So, listen carefully. A person as a human being created as Adam, we're all good. Everybody in this room is good. The reason we do bad most of the time, and really spending a summer with all these kids, I've learned, that most of the times we do bad is not because of we're bad. Right? We're not bad. We're doing it because of peer pressure. Because everyone else is doing it, I gotta do it. But me, myself, really to the core, I'm a good person. But there's a lot of peer pressure, and, and we do all kinds of crazy things for peer pressure. We do all kinds of crazy things because we're lonely. We do all kinds of crazy things because we want attention. People, a human, a human being was not created to be alone. So for a, a girl or a boy to get someone to give them attention, we'll pretty much sell ourselves. We'll pretty much do the craziest things. And how many people do crazy things to get attention? The world's full of Meshugam. They do it just to get attention. They're not Meshugam. So Kosh asked Adam, where are you? Ayeka. Where are you? You are good. Where's the you? You're so busy with her, them, they, culture. If you would just be you, you wouldn't have done that there. How do you know that? Just turn the page back and look at the story. You look at the story of the Yed Sahara. This is all of us. And to understand hate, sin, we're going into Rosh Hashanah. We need forgiveness. We have to understand what sin is, right? So... If you look, you see what happens. The Nachash was the shrewdest, the smartest of all the animals, right? And he came to the woman. The woman went past the Eitz Hadas, this tree of knowledge, thousands of times. But she was good. And Hashem said, you're not allowed to eat from it. So she wasn't interested in eating from it. There was no reason to eat from it. When did she finally eat from the Eitz Hadas girls? After the Nachash came and said, what are you doing? Let's hang out. Let's talk. Why don't you eat from the tree? You'll be like Hashem. 
But her herself, she never did this Avera. She was alive hundreds of years at this point. She never did this Avera. Zemachlekes. One says that the Avera was done Erev Shabbos. She wasn't alive so long. We don't understand how long a day was in those days exactly. So maybe she wasn't around so long. But she had no interest in eating from the Eitz Hadas until she had peer pressure. Along came the Nachash and said, Hey, hang out with me. Let's eat from the tree. Or a poet. And we'll grow up. And guess what you're going to see? You're going to see what Hashem knows. What Hashem knows. Ben Kaiv She, she had, what's, what's the, all the parents ask me, what's the main reason kids do the wrong thing? So was it the parents? Some people blame the Rebbe. Some people blame America. Usually it's a bad friend. You can have the best kid from the best family. Best kid, best school. Everything's great. One bad friend, have a nice life. That's why all us parents, we have to damn Hashem, that our kids shouldn't meet that one friend. Who brought Chava down? One bad friend. She made a friend, Anachash. He said, let's talk. She said, let's talk. And they started to talk, and they started to walk. And, and they started to, I don't even want to say what happened in the story. And they became very good friends. Ah, he became very good friends. Then, she lost her identity. She was no longer her goodness. She lost her identity to the Nachash. Once she lost her identity to the Nachash, she, she, he, he said, you know, you want to be my friend? Try it, you know. He pushed her into the tree. He said, look, nothing happened. Therefore, Akash Baruch Hu said to Adam, one word. He said, you want to know how you did this, Aveira? Chav and Adam, Ayaka. You got lost. There's no you anymore. Where are you? Where's the good girl? Had I learned this before I went up there six weeks ago, I would have said this to the kids. What are you smoking marijuana for? You don't want to smoke marijuana because he's smoking, she's smoking. You don't need this. You know this is not doing any good for you. All they have various you doing, you know that's not good for you. Peer pressure. Hey, man, you know. Hanging out together. What's up? You know, Rabbi? This is my posse. This is my group, you know? Aren't they cool? You know, 13 kids piling to one car. It's the group. It's the Hevra. Yeah, that's what it's all about. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be a nerd. Someone sees me talking to the rabbi. I'm a nerd. I'm a loser. Because you don't exist anymore. You belong to this group of girls, to this crowd, to this kind of person. You lost who you are. Everybody in this room, you're not allowed to let anybody take you away from yourself. No one has that right. No friend, no man, no person in your life has a right to take a yekka. That a person is lost. When a person does a sin, what do you say? When a person does a sin, you walk away and you say, Where, where am I? I'm lost. How could I have done that? Because there's no more I. That other person took the I away. Then He said one word. He didn't say, what kind of sin did you do? He said, the sin was, there's no more you. Ayeka, where is the you? Where are you? And that's something we need to find. We have two weeks. Today's Tetzvah, I believe, full moon. Two weeks left. We have to find out who we are. Ayeka, we have to each ask ourselves as we go home tonight, who am I? I'm her friend? I'm part of this group? I'm an American? I'm in this culture? That's not who you are. That's who they are. Who are you? Who is Hannah? Who is Miriam? Who is Leah? Who is Esther? Look in the mirror. Who am I? Am I my friends? Because they talk to boys. I have to talk to boys. I don't have to talk to boys because they talk to boys. I'm a person. My name is Leah. My name is not Leah Ruckel Shoshan. Yehuda Meir and, 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 and Chaim. That's not my name. Who am I? Maybe you have to look at your cell phone to find out who you are. <laughs> Today, what are we are? We are our cell phone number. Hi, how are you? What's your name? 917-439-3368. My email, rabbiwallstein.com, AOL, dot this, dot that, dot this, dot that. Who are you? Nobody knows who they are anymore. Who you are? You're your cell phone. Or, you're your site on the internet. Who I am. <laughs> Imagine, I'm waiting to go to a... So I went to a, uh, a guy gave a name this week, right? A guy gave a name to his daughter. 
We give it by, you know, by a Sefer Torah. So a guy gave a name this week. I'm waiting to hear. A guy gives a name, right? Bukara Shema V'Yisrael Suzy Chu dot S-O-W at A-O-L com. That's our names today. I have a list of girls that come to our Nava. One side is their Hebrew name they were given when they were born. And the other side is the name they were given when they, when they got their computer. Everybody has a name on one side, Chaya. And the other side, it's, I don't know, call me Zuzu and Zuzu Luzu. And there's some girls that are like, don't let Rabbi Wallerstein see my name on the internet because I don't want it to see, you know, my address, whatever it is. So who are you? Who are you? Before Rosh Hashanah, find out who you're davening for. Who are you? You're, 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 you're an internet site? You're a cell phone number? Who are you? So we, we, we lost ourselves. We don't know who we are. You're a song on the, on the radio? Nebuch. Ayaka, says Hashem. Where are you? Who are you? I think that's one of the things we need to do in the next two weeks. Is to find out who I am. I am a person. I come into this world alone. And I go out of this world alone. Everyone's born by themselves. Everyone goes by themselves. So therefore, the, I am somebody. I am one. Right? That's the Tzalem Elohim. Hashem Echad, Ushmo Echad, Suzi Echad, Ushmo Echad. There's only one of me. So why am I being controlled by my, my, my other eight friends? Why am I being controlled by this television show? Why am I being controlled by this rock, by this music? Why is this controlling me? Why is this iPod that's in my ears? I'm walking around like a crazy robot all day long. Right? I got this music blowing out my brains. So who are you? You're an iPod. You want to know who I am? Listen to the 200 songs. You know already who I am. Nabuch. We lost our identity. So the first thing in the chait, the first thing the snake took away was Chava's who she was. He took away who she was. So Kishbarcha, when he looked at Chava and Adam, said, Ayeka, who are you? What are you? Where are you? You're lost. That's how you do an Avera. Okay. Now, I scared a lot of people last week. And I got some text messages, not text messages, I got some emails. And Baruch Hashem, I spent the whole Shabbos learning um, Hilchus Tshuva in the Rambam and I'd like to quote a couple of things that the Rambam says you don't have to worry one girl said to me you said you can't do Tshuva you're Machdis Aravim Hashem won't accept your Tshuva what am I going to do? okay so I'd like to I don't usually it's a little bit late I don't usually read from the text because all us kids who have ADD when you start reading from the text we fall asleep uh, not that anyone here has ADD I'm just saying I might fall asleep in a little speaking so we don't want that to happen so I'm going to be in and out of the text, but it's very important that I read from the inside of the Rambam so that we understand. Okay, so he says the following. Kol mitzvah Torah. Any mitzvah in the Torah, may not say, whether it's a mitzvah to do or a mitzvah that you're not allowed to do. Right? Im adam If a person does one of these things, whether you do it on purpose or by accident, when a person does tshuva, v'yashim mechatai, and he does tshuva from his sin, chayiv lehisvadot of ne'akel, baruchu. You have to admit what you did wrong in front of God. Ish, O Isha, whether you're a man or a woman, you have to, you have to say Vidoy. Okay. And I want to read you something that the Rambam Paskins Lahalacha in the first paragraph. Listen very carefully. This time, where there is no base Hamigdash, we don't have a Mizbeach, we don't have a temple, we don't have a Mizbeach, right? The only thing we can do to be forgiven is to ask forgiveness from God. Listen carefully. Hachuva. Mechaperes al kol ha'averos. Tshuva, asking Hashem forgiveness. You can be forgiven on all your sins. Pastors, the Rambam. Afilu Russia. Even an evil person. Kol yomav. His whole life, he's an evil person, or she's an evil person. For us, tshuva ba'achrona, and the last minute they do repentance. Ein maskiri loishum dava mirishon. When you come to Shemayim, they will never remind you of one of the things that you did wrong. You hear this? Your whole life you're doing Averis. Machal Shabbos, you did this Averis, that Averis. If you do Tshuva, when you come to Shemayim, they're not going to repeat one thing that you did wrong. will not be mentioned because you're forgiven. How do we know this? It says in the Pasuk, Rishas HaRasha, the, the, the evil that the Russia does, Lo will not He will not trip over it. It will not be brought up to him when he does tshuva. He says, and even and Yom Kippur itself, keeping Yom Kippur itself, just keeping it, also does tshuva for a person. Okay. So we see from there that everybody's tshuva is accepted from Hashem. He says, but, 
if you're going to admit an Avera Tashem, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. The Loi Gomer believe, but you don't do it in your heart. It's just words, right? Then, Doimer, it's compared to a person who goes to the mikvah, and he has a dead rat in his hands. So you're going into the mikvah with a dead rat, the mikvah doesn't help you, you're still thumbing. So you've got to get rid of the rat, Right? First you have to get rid of the rat. Once you get rid of the rat, you can go to the mikvah. So if you stand on Rosh Hashanah and you ask for forgiveness and you still have all your Averis with you, it's not going to work. So first you got to get rid of the rat. You have two weeks. You have two weeks to Rosh Hashanah to do tshuva. Rosh Hashanah is not a day for tshuva, girls. Rosh Hashanah is a day to be judged. you got to do your tshuva before Rosh Hashanah. So you got 15 days, two weeks to, be, to, to do tshuva before Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is not a day of tshuva. Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment. And it's very hard to change your judgment. There are three people on Rosh Hashanah. The book opens, Tzadik Gamor, Halavai. A perfect Tzadik, they write for life. A Russia, they write for death. A Benini, the first one's in the middle, he hangs out till Yom Kippur, and then they make a decision. Most of Klai Yisrael are Beninim. So we need at least to get to Rosh Hashanah to be Beninim, to be in between. To be a tzaddik is almost impossible. You could. To be a Russia, we don't, also it's not easy to be. But you want to be a baby. So now's the time. You have two weeks now to change. Okay. He says the following. Okay, he said that you should, you, when you do tshuva, you should think that you're even. Your scale is even. So one more mitzvah will tip the scale for your life. He says, but you should know that not only your scale is even, but your family's scale is even. Not only is your family scale even, but your city scale is even. Not only is your city scale even, but your country scale is even. Not only is your country scale even, but the world scale is even. So that one mitzvah that you do will save you, your family, your city, your country, and the whole world. And that's how each person has to think when he goes to Rosh Hashanah. My mitzvah is going to save the world. We all think, ach, I can't do anything. But the world is judged, all of us together, and the city, and the town, and the country, and your family. So your mitzvah, that one mitzvah that you're going to throw onto that pile... You know my famous story, which, which I'm saving, the black and white story, where that one mitzvah can turn the whole thing, can turn your whole judgment. So that's how you have to go into Rosh Hashanah looking at one more kibbutz of aim, one more tshuva navera that I did this year, and I'm going to change the whole world. And, and that's the Rambam says you have the power. Okay, but there's a certain Rambam, there's a lot here. There's one that I want to read to you, and then I'll tell you two stories. And he says like this. There's a lot of scary things. I'm not going to tell you scary things. And he says the following. Ba'yidma adam ba'tshuva. A ba'tshuva should not think. Shuhu me'rochay mimalas ha'tzadikim. A person who does tshuva should not think that you are not as good as a tzadik. Because of all the sins that you did, don't think that you are worse than a tzadik. Listen to the Rambam here. Ein ha'dobekein. It's not true. Elo'ohov. You are loved. V'nechma. You are precious. In front of God. You are considered clean. You're considered like you never sinned. The person who does tshuva. Don't think it's like a dirty shirt that you put in the laundry. It's a new shirt. The Zayar says, the person who does tshuva is a barrier chadasha. You're a butterfly. You're a new creation. New creation. Don't let the Yitzhara tell you, I did this and I did that. Ugh, I'm not going to make it this Rosh Hashanah. I'm going to die. I'm going to get sick. I'm gonna... No. Says it says over here that a Kishbuch loves the Baal tshuva. Then the Rambam says something unbelievable. He says, Not only this, your, your, your reward is great. Because the person who didn't have air, he knows what it tastes like. He knows what lobster tastes like. He knows what a cheeseburger tastes like. He knows what not air tastes like. And he likes it. And he still doesn't do it. He's greater than the biggest tzaddik who doesn't know what a cheeseburger tastes like. Who doesn't know what a lobster tastes like. And he passes like this. And he says, Uparashmi menu. You know what a sin tastes like and you walk away from it. The covers is right, and you control your Yitzhahara. The place that a Bali Chuba stands ain't Sadiqim going like by the biggest Sadiq can't stand there. Now there's a very big argument about this. What do you mean? A guy his whole life never did anything wrong. He's not as good as the person who sinned for forty years now. He partied for forty years, now he did chuba. Not fair. fear. This guy partied for forty years and now he does chuba, he's on a higher place than the biggest Sadiq who never did anything wrong. So big machlek is what this means. Rambam says, no machlek is. Rambam says very clearly, Kalayma to say, Ma'alosim yudayla mi'maylais elish lechotu me'aylam et neishin kleishin yudz from yudz me'am. 
that a person of Alshuva stands in a higher place than a Tzaddik because he knows what it tastes like and he walked away from it. And that's greater than anybody else. So just the opposite. Now, I have to be very clear. Oh, great. So I want to be bigger than a Tzaddik. So tonight I'm going to go home and do every Avera. Right? Every sin. I'm going to have lobster and cheeseburgers and be Machal Shabbos and do every Avera. And then I'm going to be about Tshuva and then I'm going to be bigger than, than Ramah Shabbat Right? Ramam says it. Ramam is very clear. And one of the problem before, if you do an Avera and you say I'm going to do Tshuva on that Avera, you'll never get a chance to do Tshuva. You'll die before you get a chance to do tshuva. Hashem will not let you to do tshuva on that. So don't think I'm going to go home and do Averis. We're talking about the person who wasn't born into a religious family. It's not fair, Rabbi Walsh. It's not my fault. My whole life, till I got, to, till I, till I went to yeshiva, I was 17 years old. I ate lobster. I was machal shabbos. It's not fair. So the Rambam, now you're not machal shabbos. Now you don't eat lobster. Now you stop talking to boys. You threw away your black music, huh? You listen to black music. You like, you like it. You like that garbage. And now you threw away your iPod, you threw away that stuff, 50 cent is in the garbage, and all the other chevra that you're listening to. You're greater than the person who never listened. You're greater than me. Because I never stooped, I never listened to rap. I like music. I'm not going to say I'm a tzaddik. I listen to The Grateful Dead and some other stuff. But not that garbage. That garbage stuff doesn't make any sense. It's not a guy screaming curse words at you. That they rhyme, big deal. Who can't rhyme curse words? Any little kid can rhyme curse words. Wow, Rabbi, you have to hear this. The guy told me this summer. You gotta hear this rapper. He's unbelievable. It's like, what, what? He says, like, you gotta hear his rhymes. I'm like, what? He opened the dictionary and he looked for all the words that were wrong. What is he saying? What's his message? Message? <laughs> yeah, what's his message? What's his music telling you? Uh, I don't know. It's like, so what are you so excited that he can rhyme two words together? Big deal. And the words that they're rhyming together. Kedusha, holiness. So when you, when you look at these kids and you ask them, this, this is how you, break it down, man! Break it down! Break down the music! Tell me, like, what you're listening to! Break it down for me. A bunch of curse words that some guy's screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> and you should see the pictures of these guys. You would not walk on the street that they're on. They're standing there. Yeah. And what's their words? Kill the cops. Blow up America. Kill your mother. Kill your father. Kill your brother. And we have a bunch of Jewish kids walking around. This is what they're listening to. This is their idol. Good word for it. This is their Avodizara. So what happened to them? What, are they stupid? They're not stupid. These are smart kids. Jewish kids. They're not stupid. And the answer is... Ayaka! Where are you? There is no you. Because the guy down the block is hopping and hipping and walking with the iPod, with the music, so you're lost, you're going, oh, that's who. So I got to wear sneakers like him? And I got to wear pants like him where my back pockets are behind my knees? <laughs> Understand? And it's the whole culture. It's the whole culture because I'm not me anymore. I'm not me, I'm him. Ayeka says Hashem, where are you? Where's that girl who's Kaddish, who's holy, who's a Basisrol, who's a daughter of God? Where are you? What did you become? Dancing in a club in, in, in Monticello? I should have walked in there and screamed, Ayaka! Where are you? Who are you? What's your name? Leah? Are you Leah? Is that who you are? Named after one of our great mothers? Leah? Rachel? Is that who you are? Because all my friends, you know, all my friends, it's four o'clock in the morning, they're there. So I'm also there. So then you're part of the herd of sheep. You know what I mean? We'll get you a shepherd. We'll take you to the desert. We'll hit you with a stick. We'll get you a dog. He'll bark and you'll follow him. That's what you're doing. Ayeka, where are you? That's what we need to know. Where, where are you? Hashem says, just come to me, do tshuva. Just ask forgiveness and you're standing in the highest place. Don't think you can't do tshuva. That your heart tells you can't do tshuva. He says, tshuva on the worst of era. The worst of era that a person does, because Baruch is makabal, your tshuva. Only if you didn't do tshuva are you cut off from Klai because it says in the mission, every Jew has a portion of Elam Haba. Nobody doesn't have Elam Haba. Okay. So, we'll end. And, and you have to understand, you know, a lot of us went through a lot of stuff in life. I was telling the boys last night. Not everyone's born to a religious family. Not everyone's born to loving parents. Not everyone's born with a, a, a great brain. We're all born with different tests. Every person. And, and there are certain things that we have no choice. 
You know, the, the three things that happen to Abraham Avinu, Lech Lecha, Me'ar Tzicha, Me'ladacha, Me'besa Vicha, you have no choice. Who your parents are, it's not like a questionnaire, like when you're born. Okay, we have a million parents lined up at the glass, pick one. <laughs> you're born, they're your parents, you have no choice. Where you're born, which hospital? It's not like I want to be born in Brooklyn, I want to be born in Wisconsin, I like LA. How about Florida? No, wherever your parents live, that's where you're born. Who your family is, your uncles, your aunts, your grandparents, it's not your, it's not your, not your choice. So, Malagacha, Nebesavicha, what school you go to, is not your choice. You know, first grade and kindergarten, they don't ask you what school. So there's certain things that a person goes through in life, you have no choice. Some people have two parents, some people have one parent, some people have parents that are divorced. The kid asks for divorced parents. So the kid can turn to Hashem and say, it's their welfare. This, this girl next to me has two loving parents, her father takes her ice skating, then he takes her to the zoo, then he takes her out, then he takes her here, takes her there, and my father I see once a week, I have to go to him, and then I gotta go to mother, and they both talk bad about each other, and that's how I grew up, Hashem, it's not fair, you didn't give me a choice, I didn't pick this, right? Somebody loses a parent, I didn't pick this, or a person in a very poor family, that's not fear. Why was I born into a poor family? I could have been born in a rich family. Why was I born in an unreligious family who don't keep anything? I could have been born in Geula, Nesha'arim, Torah Arullah. I wouldn't have had all these, you know, pants, no pants, long dress, short dress, I have no choice. Very happy. I would grow up a Rav Arullah girl. Right? So the question is, why are we born? We have no choice. So it's not fear. So Hashem, you're very mean. It's not fear. I didn't pick this, these parents. I didn't pick this school. I didn't pick this amount of brains. I didn't pick this personality. I didn't pick this looks. Look at this girl. She walks around. All the boys are following her. And I'm not so pretty. Nobody's following me. It's hard for me to get a date. It wasn't my choice. I didn't pick on that button when I want. The truth is, we learned a long time ago that you did pick it. Because for your test on this world, you have to pick certain ways that you're going to have to run through the test. But the truth is that there are certain things in our life that we didn't pick. So that means we have no choice. No Bechiru. Certain things. No Bechiru. Who my parents are. No Bechiru. So, so what does Hashem want from me? And, and, and if my parents are divorced and it wasn't my choice, why did you do this to me, Hashem? Why did you do this? It's such a great question. Why did you do this? Why, why? I want religion, I want Shabbos all my life, and you gave me parents that don't keep anything. I was born in Kansas, I don't know nothing. Even Dorothy wasn't Jewish. <laughs> nothing. She went to the Wizard of Oz, she asked him, can you send me to Yeshiva? Oh, okay, anyway. <laughs> So therefore, it's funny, but it's not funny. So therefore, it's a very big question on, our, on all our lives. And everybody goes through certain stuff. I went through certain things as a kid. Everyone goes through things that were not your choice. What's your choice that, that you dug that hole? You made that bed. That's your problem. But there's a lot of things Hashem doesn't give us a choice. So the question is why? The question is why? And the answer is, the answer is that whatever we go through in life that's not our choice was given to us to help somebody else. To help somebody else. So a person who comes from divorced parents, for whatever reason, his mission to fix in this world is to be able to help a child that comes from divorced parents and not say, I'm depressed and I'm on pills and I'm in therapy and life sucks and it's the worst thing that ever happened to me in the world. Then you failed. Then you failed. What you're supposed to do is say, this is what Hashem gave me. I don't have a choice. I'm going to make the best of it. And you know what? I'm going to meet a girl much later on and she's going to say, you don't understand what I'm going through. My parents are divorced. And you're going to say, I understand. My parents got divorced when I was 14. How old were you when your parents got divorced? Also 14. I don't understand. You're married and you're successful and you have children. How did you do it? She says, you could do it too. And all of a sudden this kid's like, I could do this too. So what you, the pain and the hell that you went through, you're going to make the guy even for the other person. But if you don't do that, then you wasted your whole trip. Like by Esther Hamalka, which I say every year. Esther Hamalka lost her father when she was, her mother was three months pregnant. She lost her mother when she was born. And everybody stood there, you can imagine by that Leviah of her father, and they said, God, you're so mean. This girl will have no father, PTA, you'll have no father to take her out. But at least she has a mother. And then on childbirth, her mother dies. And this poor little orphan girl, no mother, no father. Mean God. And what does Mordechai say to Esther? He says, Esther, if you don't go in front of Achashverosh, you're lost, and your whole household is lost. Hey, calm down. This poor girl had no parents her whole life. She's a Yisoma. That's not how you talk to an orphan. She had no father, no mother. That's what you tell her. And if you don't go to Achashverosh, you're lost and your family's lost. Tell her, please try 
Don't be nervous. And if, you, if you're too nervous and you can't go, I'll send someone else. Where's the niceness here? Mordechai wasn't being mean. Mordechai was telling Esther, you lost your parents for a reason. It wasn't your choice that your father died and your mother died. It wasn't your choice. So Hashem did it for a reason. What's the reason, says the Medrash? Because Haman said to Akashverosh, we have nothing to worry about because I come from Esau and Esau is perf- perfect in Kibbutz of Aim. So Hashem had to create a girl that would take Haman down that was also perfect in Kibbutz of Aim. So Hashem took her parents away. So she never ever said a word back to her parents because her parents were never alive to say a bad word. I, she never did Kibbutz of Aim. She cried every day. And she said, Hashem, I don't, I don't miss my mother and father. They don't take me to the zoo. I don't miss my mother and father. They don't take me to PTA. I miss my mother and father because I don't have a mitzvah. Everybody has a mitzvah. Everybody can help their parents and I can't. Because said, she can take down Haman. Haman's whole schutz is Yesav who did kill Ravim. This girl never ever did anything wrong to her parents. She never had him. And she, and she honored them by every day crying that she, could, she couldn't do Kibbutz of Ein. So Esther was the only one in the whole world who could destroy Haman. So Hashem, so Mordechai, who knew this, said to Esther, Esther, the only reason that your mother and father died is to take down Haman. If you don't go in front of Akashverosh, based on Vich, the loss of your father, the death of your father, and the death of your mother was wasted. Because if you weren't going to help Chayashol, they could have lived, taking the PTA to the Bronx Zoo, to the aquarium, to have a good life. The only reason they died was for you to save Chayashol. If you don't use it, you abused it, you lost it. So everything that we go through in life, girls, all the pain and all the stuff that we go through in life, it's only to help somebody else. It's only to help someone else grow. To be able to say, you know, many times I speak out of town, not here. And the first question they ask me is, Rawasi, can I ask you something like, yeah, you about Shuva? Were you like irreligious when you were young? I'm like, no, sorry. You're like, uh, was your father a priest? I'm like, Nope. Anything like really crazy bad happened in your in your family? Nope. Well, you know, I feel like left out. Like I wish my father was a priest, you know, because <laughs> because I can't talk to these people because they're they're not religious. They're coming from a religious background. They look at me and say, "You can't tell me anything. You don't understand my pain, Reverend Alston. You weren't born like this." And they're right. And if I would walk in, and if I was about truva, and for twenty years I ate pork and I ate lobster and I ate shrimp, and I walked in and said. You want to see a picture of me? I show a picture of me with long hair and a guitar, smoking weed in McDonald's. I don't have to give a shear. That's the shear. Because when they look at that picture and then they look at me now, they say, wow, he, he did it, I could do it. So I got to work for two hours and give reasons and explanations and kill myself where another guy would walk in and he went through the hell that they're going through. They just look at him and say, I don't even have to hear what he says. He made it, I can make it. And that's why we go through things in life. That wasn't my thing. I went through my stuff, whatever it is. Every person goes through their stuff in order to help other people. To help a friend. And there will be a friend that will come along and say, Oh man, I don't know what to do. I'm in this situation. And you'll pull him over and say, Don't tell anybody. But I was also in that situation. And I made it. And my marriage is good today. And my kids are good today. And I stepped away. And that's why the Ramam says, You step away? You're bigger than the biggest side because the biggest side can't talk to that person. Because what's he do? He's going to walk in and he's going to give them a schmooze. He's going to say, you, you were born in Mary Shalom. What are you talking to me? I'm born in Oklahoma. I'm, I'm born on a ranch. What are you telling me stories? So that's why we go through the things that we go. Rabbi Stern, who spoke here two weeks ago, he told me a marshal that his Rebbe told him, I'll end with this, and he said there was, a, there was an Israeli crack unit and they were, they were, they were in the times of, uh, there was a lot of spying going on. They were scared that there, there was a leak in the Mossad. So they had to go into Syria, into the behind the lines in Syria. They didn't want to tell this crack unit what, what they had to do. Because they were scared if they told them what they had to do, then it's, one of them is a spy, then they're all going to get killed. So they put them on a plane, and they parachute them, they dropped them. And right before they dropped them, they asked the general, you're about to drop us behind lines. What do I do? What do I do? There were five guys. What do I do? What am I supposed to do? He said, just take your backpack when you get to the, when you get to the ground. Open it up, you'll know what to do. So they all foot. They're going to open it up, there's going to be a paper. Chaim do this. Mike should do this. You who to do this. No, no paper. Guy opened up his backpack. One guy had huge communications telephone. He said, ah, I'm the communications guy. He wrapped it on. He put it on. Next guy had a rifle with a scope. I'm the sniper. Next guy had an anti-tank launcher. I'm the anti-tank guy. Each guy looked in his pack and saw what he's supposed to do without anyone telling him. We all have that backpack. Every one of us in this room. No one need, you don't need me to tell you what to do in life. You just have to look into your backpack and see what your kayak is. What's my strength? 
I'm, I'm good at law, I'm going to be a lawyer. So then be a lawyer and take on a kid or somebody that needs a law, a Jewish person that needs it for free, who don't have, doesn't have money, take on that case. You're a doctor, you're very good with, with medicine, so become a doctor and take a couple of kids, Jewish people who can't pay, and take them for free. You're a dentist, you're a social worker, you're a psychologist, so take two free kids along your work and take them for free because they don't have money. Look in your backpack and see what your koyach is, what your strength is, and that's what you're supposed to do. Imagine, I speak a lot, you, 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 you come to that realization, that I talk a lot. As a kid, I used to tell all kinds of stories. When my teacher asked me where my homework was, if you think I talk a lot now, an hour and 15 minutes I explained where my homework is. <laughs> told my whole story, the dog, and then it got into the fish tank, and it went from the end, and went from there, and went there. And the teachers loved it, because they're like, okay, well, I can tell the class the story. It took me an hour and 15 minutes. So here I am, growing up, I'm a great storyteller. My teachers always said, he's a great storyteller, but I'm failing him anyway. I said, ooh, let me tell you a story about a guy who failed, and I had a story about everything. Now imagine, I have a plastic bag business. I think I'm a Pretty good salesman. Pretty good salesman. You know, I could talk you into buying bags, even if you don't need them. Right? Such a kayak. So, after 120 years, I come up to Shemayim, and they say, New Wallerstein, what'd you do? Uh, what did I do? I sold 240 billion plastic bags. <laughs> and I used to tell stories and make excuses, and I had these crazy stories, and I even wrote a book that's in Barnes and Noble, a bestseller. They say, come Wallstein, let's show you what you were really supposed to do. You never looked in your backpack, you never figured out what you were really supposed to do. You were supposed to give shiurim, you were supposed to open up an arnava. Baruch Hashem, at this point, between Kalan Lashan, between all this, probably since I started giving shiurim in my life, I probably gave, I would say, 200, maybe 250,000 hours of shiurim. Now, don't get so impressed, because I'm doing tshuva on all the time that I wasted and I didn't learn. still have about a million two hundred fifty thousand hours to go at least. Okay, because I didn't learn one word till I was, I don't want to tell you how old. I'm 50 till I was 49 and a half I didn't learn one word. But anyway, so imagine if I would come up to Shemayim and they would say, we gave you a koyach. We gave you the ability to speak in public. You're not scared to speak in public. We gave you the ability to give over Hashem's word. What did you do? You sold bags! You came back with two billion bags! What a waste. That's not why Hashem gave you. Go back down again. I got to tell all my stories all over again. Imagine that. <laughs> so everybody here, you have a koyak to be a lawyer, to be a doctor, to be a therapist, to whatever, a teacher, whatever is in your bag. You know what you're good at. So, oh, Rabbi, I looked in my bag. Listen carefully. I got this last night. I looked in my bag. I'm not good at anything. <laughs> I said, oh, you're good at something. He said, what? You're modest. You're a big honor. Imagine a person looks in his bag, right? And he comes back and says, Nah, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at this. He's an honor. I said, you're the biggest savvy. You're very modest. So you came into your back and you found modesty. So you could teach modesty. You could teach someone that, you know what? Whatever you think you are, you're not saying, Modesty, we're all people. We want to Hashem. We're connected. Eh. You have to look in that bag, girls. And you have to see, what is your koyach? And whatever that is, that's what you need to use for Hashem. And all the pain... And I know a lot of us have pain. Everybody goes through stuff in life that wasn't their choice. Why did Hashem make you go through that? Logically, tell me, girls, why did Hashem make you go through that? There can only be one reason. Either you think He's very mean, so then you don't believe in Hashem altogether. Right? Because He doesn't need to create you to be mean. So if He created us and He did things that we had no choice, that's to give us the ability to use that disability... To be an ability. I think. I'm, I'm going a little bit out of the box. I think. And sort of the Medrash says this, girls. The Moshe Rabbeinu, he burnt his tongue in his mouth. Now, I don't know if anyone, you know, I had a little speech, my, you know, my lisp. But anyone who has, you know, I have a boy that stutters very bad. It's one of my Talmudim. It's so hard for him. He can't go out with girls. He has, he has so low self-respect. It's so hard for him because he stutters and, and, and until he gets what his thoughts are. It's very hard for him to make friends. So he's willing to make whoever will be his friend. You know, and he's, he, he can't even imagine dating a girl and getting into a car and stuttering. Right? So, so here Hashem takes this little boy, Moshe Rabbeinu, right? And the Medrash says he burnt his tongue. He didn't have to burn his tongue. He could have touched the fire and put his hand in water to put it in his mouth. That's silly. Right? 
he burnt his mouth on purpose. And he burnt his tongue on purpose. And the Medrash says that Hashem didn't fix it. Is that fair? Think about it. Hashem tells Moshe Ben, I want you to go to Mitzrayim and I want you to take the Jews out. So Moshe Ben said, okay, you got a deal. You be my speech therapist. Okay? You're God. You're talking from a bush. Right? The fire is not burning the bush. You're Hashem Echad Ushmo Echad. Should not really be a problem for you to just fix my stutter. And Hashem did it. And he went to Mitzrayim and he spoke to Paro and he stuttered and they laughed at him. And he was an Aralsa for Sayyim. He's a Machlaikis if it ever got fixed. So the question is why? And I thought to myself that if Moshe Rabbeinu, the Jewish nation, Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader of Klai Israel, stutters and has a burnt mouth and Hashem picked him, that stutter, that burnt mouth, that disability gave all the people in Klai Israel who had a disability the ability to overcome it. Why? Because they walked around and they said, it's a big deal. So I don't speak so good. Look at him! Look at Moses! Look at Moshe! He's the leader and he doesn't speak well. So Moshe suffered in order to help other people. And that's our Koyach. And Mitzvah Hashem, Tuesday, I'm starting Yeshiva. Yeshiva Kran Hatch, where I teach. My opening meeting. No one in this room should ever forget this. Every single year, my opening meeting is to the teachers. There's ADD, and there's ADHD, and there's ABCD, and there's EFIG, and, and there's all kinds of stuff, and there's, there's all kinds of stuff, and I always tell them, but there's L-O-V-E, and L-O-V-E fixes all the other stuff, but I tell them to follow me, and I leave you with this thought, I say, listen to me, this disability, you're going to have a kid, he's hyper. He's jumping off the roof. You're going to have a kid that's depressed. You're going to have a kid whose parents are getting divorced. You're going to have a kid that a parent just died. You're going to have a kid that a parent is sick. You're going to have a kid that his sibling is sick. You're going to have a kid that his grandmother is sick. But he's taking it very seriously. You're going to have a kid who's listening to his parents scream at each other, We don't have money for school! And he's thinking, Why don't I go to public school? What are they doing? And he's going to, hear, he's going to have people that the parents are screaming at him. You're going to have a, a classroom full of all kinds of situations. Don't judge these kids. Because the only mouth that God ever kissed was a mouth that had a disability. Hashem said, I'm not speaking to anyone, but I'm only speaking to that mouth that has a disability. Because the mouth that has a disability has the ability to help another mouth that has a disability. And therefore, anyone in this room who's going through stuff, you want Hashem to kiss you? You want Hashem to love you? Use that stuff to help somebody else. But first... You gotta get over the stuff. Because Chasr Shalom can run the other way. Because if that stuff's gonna cause you to be depressed, and you're not gonna be sociable, and you're gonna walk around with your head down, then you lost the whole reason it was given to you. And you are lost, Ubeisavich is lost. The whole reason that your parents, that you were put into a house and parents that are divorced, because Hashem thought you could overcome it and help kids of parents that are divorced. But if you're gonna walk around depressed, how are you gonna help somebody else? So the first thing you need to do in the next two weeks is to find out, Ayeka, where am I? Am I depressed? Am I lost because of all this? Or am I going to stand up and say, Kush Baruch, I accept it, and I'm going to use it. And I'm going to look at my backpack, and whatever's in that backpack, I don't need you to tell me, and God, you don't have to send me dreams, and Rabbi Walter doesn't have to tell me what I should be, and my teacher doesn't have to tell me what I should be. No one can tell you who you should be. You have to look in your backpack and see where's my talent. And whatever that is, I'm going to use this year. And I think if we all accept that, this Rosh Hashanah, that this year, Hashem, whatever you gave me in my life, good or bad, I'm going to use for you, then I have no question that everyone in this room and Klai Yisrael will have a Ksiv of a You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.